0: Ready? Well, cheers over there. All right. Let's go. Let's do this. All right. Fireside chat number two. Cheers. Entry. Thanks for coming, my friend. Thank Fireside. you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I'm excited. It's good. It's a little toasty tonight for the fire, but... It is
1: toasty. I like <laughs> so it like that. Keep
0: the bugs away, hopefully.
1: <laughs> for sure.
0: So, where the, how long ago did we meet now? Did we meet? Yeah, how long ago did we meet? I feel like we meet often.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks
0: No, how long ago did you and I meet each oh, other? Oh, meet, meet, I thought
1: like, like alright um, uh, I think it was 2018 Yeah,
0: 2018
1: 2018, so three years now?
0: It was like right after I bought my house, I think it was like uh, nine months after I bought my yeah, house Yeah,
1: so I remember distinctly because um, a mutual friend of ours invited me to a backyard party in Spring Lake about a year after I'd moved to Spring Lake, I wanted to meet people there, and he was like, Hey, you should meet my buddy Ryan. And
0: we I think that night, no, it you, was love
1: at first sight. Your
0: wife and I were rapping Biggie on the dance floor with all these Spring Lake people. And I was I like, think No, so. I think I like these people.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. My wife was rapping Biggie. I think I spilled a drink on some lady. <laughs> they were like, Go back to Tom's River. No, <laughs> that was
0: good. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you. You know, like, I feel like guys like you and I connect because we really come from nothing not Mm -hmm. that our parents didn't work hard and you know provide us a roof over our head and clothes on our back but we weren't given the silver spoon coming up and i think you've done it a unique way and i really want to pick your brain on you know how you got started and what drove you to be this business-minded person and then how you landed in real estate where you are today so tell us your first business venture
1: my, venture. Per, my, my first business venture, I was eight years old, I was in third grade. My cousin Charlie, I'll never forget it. So my, my uh, growing up in Towns River, uh, my one cousins used to live very close uh, by to me, M- Michael and Charlie. And uh, Charlie was like my best friend growing up. We would always hang out, you know, I kind of looked up to him. He was like my older brother that I never had. Um, and so growing up, I remember, So they grew up in a household where, you know, they always had like the newest toys and things, right? So, and me, I had divorced parents. Um, This was on my mom's side, single mother. I was, you know, not like, listen, we, I, I got the things that I wanted, but I wasn't like spoiled to the fact of where like, I had all the new toys and things, right? So Charlie did and he, I'll never forget it. We were in third grade and his dad came home and they had a CD burner. And so we were like, "This is crazy." At the time, there was Napster. Remember Napster? Yeah. Napster, LimeWire. So we thought it was the craziest thing that you can download songs, put them all on this one CD, because everyone was listening to CDs at the time, um, and you could have this CD of like all your favorite songs. So I went. So literally, at eight years old in third grade, you started
0: making mixtapes. I, I said the to TR my cousin kids.
1: Charlie, "I'm like, yo, I'm like, we can sell these CDs." Like a light bulb popped off in my head. I'm like, "We can sell these." I'm literally third grade so I went I remember I never forget I went to my classroom the next day and I went around to all the kids in my class and at the time you were only in one class with like 28 kids and I went to every single one of them and I was like write down your ten favorite songs I'm gonna bring you a CD with all of them on one CD and all it's gonna cost you is five bucks right just get your mom to give you five bucks and so I got a lot of kids to do it and we put these CDs in um, like tissues tissues literally we didn't have cd cases of we course. had tissues so we put a cd in a tissue we wrote on it and we gave it to the kids um that was my bi- first business venture. how much did you make i don't know maybe like 30 bucks
0: <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were gonna tell me you had like some hot mixtapes no, no 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 and, like no. sweatpants or something no but it's funny uh
1: when i graduated high school my one friend anthony still had the CD from back then and we played it like at our senior That's prom party. Yeah, dude. it was great. It was fun.
0: So fast forward a few years, I know you and your father kind of went into business together and you launched a yogurt shop. Yes. And that was in Tom's River, right?
1: Uh, no, that was actually in Bayville. Bayville. Um, and I made a classic mistake that young entrepreneurs make. So, all right. So my I went through college in West Virginia uh, and I studied business entrepreneurship. Always wanted to. So I never had a job, right? And well, I don't want to say that I've always had a job, but I never had a traditional job where I was getting paid an hourly salary, nine to five. It was always like commission based or like based on how much effort I put in. So in college, I was in uh, studied entrepreneurship, small business entrepreneurship, and a couple of guys that I lived with. My senior year, we were in a class. Uh, I think it was like an assignment to come up with a business plan or something like that. And the the two kids that were in my class happened to be from North Jersey. So, naturally, being from North Jersey, they thought the boardwalk was, like, the coolest thing in the world. Mm. Uh, And I was, like, from, like, the boardwalk area, you know? So, they were like, hey, let's open up a boardwalk stand. And at the time, my buddy Joey was, like, kind of like a line chef at one of the restaurants in West Virginia. as a part-time job. So, recently, he had brought home these like honey roasted nuts, pecans, almonds, walnuts, all this shit. And everyone was going crazy for these fucking nuts. And so he was like, let's sell these nuts on the boardwalk. They sell them in in, in New York. They sell them all over. Like no one's selling nuts on the boardwalk. (laughs) Let's be the nut guys. So I was like, fuck it. Let's be the nut guys, you know? And so we um, all got personal loans from our parents. We... We found this location, we opened up a shop, and all three of us worked seven days a week, every single day throughout the entire summer, had no days off, no holidays, no nothing. We literally, we would rotate morning, afternoons, and nights, but all three of us worked seven days a week. There was no days off for any of us. And it was tough, you know? Naturally, in the middle of it, we started fighting, and there's issues, and we weren't as profitable (coughs) as we had, had projected to be, you know? Um, And so at the end of the summer, we were like, all right, we're gonna go our separate ways. This was cool Let's sell it, but I I I wanted to be in business for myself and actually um, Right at the end of the summer. I took my my brother Nick to see a movie and At the movie theaters. There was this little what movie I Don't remember the movie Um, Nick, you don't know the movie. Yeah, Nick's here, but I don't remember the movie Um, anyway When we were walking up to the movie, I saw that there was a yogurt place next to the movie theater with a line outside the door, wrapped around the corner, and I was like, what is this place? And so when we walked up, happened to be a frozen yogurt shop where you make your own yogurt, you put your own toppings on, you pay by the weight, yada yada. We all know it now, but back then, 12 years ago, people were like, what is this? And it was a craze. And so I I remember coming back to my dad and saying, Dad, like this is the business that we that we should start because my dad had mentioned like wanting to invest and so I was like this is the business we should start. It's a craze right now. It's it's you know um, not a lot of money to get started. Um, and my dad was kind of like okay, you know like it could work. You know, get me some details. So I went all in. I researched it. I figured out what it would cost to get this up and running. I set up an appointment with actually the company that made the machines that made the yogurt. We drove out to have like this seminar with the company um i convinced the bank to give me a small business loan which at the time was nearly impossible it's awesome i i listen (coughs) what a
0: learning lesson that was
1: we got told no after no after no one guy at this little mom and pop bank in tom's river um was like i think he i think he like didn't think that i was serious and he was like "Eh, if you put together a business plan and like bring it back to me i'll hear you out so I was like, fuck, I'm doing that. Yeah. So I put together this business plan, went back to him. Um, he was like, all right, well, we still aren't sure about this, this, and this. As soon as I got home, I figured all that out, went back to him. They almost like were forced to say like, okay, fine, Like, we'll give you the money. Um, so they gave us some some of the money. My dad put up a lot of the money, which I'm forever, forever grateful for. We started a yogurt business. It was good, um, but it wasn't... What I expected. Yeah, you didn't
0: realize, you know, where you wanted to get to with financial freedom, what type of revenues one yogurt shop would produce versus where you really wanted to go long term.
1: It's hard. It's hard to make a lot of money selling a three to five dollar product. Yeah. Um, And and so I said earlier, I made a classic mistake. The mistake that I, I still look back at that I'm like, shit, I shouldn't have done that. I had never been in business for myself and so when we were looking for a location, our goal, when I say me and my dad, our goal (laughs) was let's find the cheapest location we could find. Why would we want to spend money on a location? Now I know, looking back, in hindsight, location is everything and had we had spent even double on the rent in a way better location. But you know what? I can't say that because maybe I wouldn't be in real estate if that was the case.
0: Yeah, well, that's why I was going to you know, bring it back. So even back to the boardwalk, right? What did that little business teach you, right? And I love that because I was the same guy. I was like a mini GC in my neighborhood. I'd pull out, you know, lumber out of someone's backyard. I'd cut grass, rake leaves, you know, empty a pool, whatever it took to make money. Yeah. I did that in my neighborhood. You were driven to get those toys that you didn't have. You were driven to get those things that you wanted as you got older. What did you learn from that boardwalk business? The boardwalk? Selling and slinging peanuts.
1: So two things, and I I actually got lucky because, um, so the boardwalk place, I, I, I backed up to a pizzeria. And this guy, Frank, I'll never forget him. This guy, Frank, owned the pizzeria for years, but he was an entrepreneur. He had owned multiple different types of businesses. And when I was there working, because, we got to a point where, like like I said, we, we hated each other so much from working together seven days a week, and working so much, and we didn't want to hire help, we couldn't afford to hire help, that it was like, all right, you work in the morning, I'll work in the afternoon, I'll work at night. So it was only one of us there. When I was there, I used to pick Frank's brain all the time. And I used to just ask him questions, and he kind of took a liking to me. And Frank was the type of guy that, he slaved over the pizzeria, but he was like, he had owned businesses.
0: He was experienced, he had wisdom.
1: But he was like, he was like, it's like a half of entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Like, like he had owned businesses. A lot of them went under, but he's always like reaching for the next thing. He never gave up. You know what I mean? He's always got the pizzeria going. And I remember uh, during the summer he like took a liking to me and we started bullshitting a lot and he was like listen he's like i'm thinking about buying this property in asbury i need you to go check it out for me do this so like i felt like oh my god like i'm his guy you know yeah absolutely so frank was like sending me on errands to go look at properties (laughs) and like all this stuff and i was like this is great um and at the same time simultaneously he told me to read the book rich dad poor dad yeah great book the most cliche book that anyone's ever heard of in business everyone's probably heard of rich dad poor dad but i will say it definitely changed my life um after reading it and reading it two or three times i i i wanted to be involved in real estate nothing to do with being a real estate agent but from reading the book and working with frank a little bit i was like damn i really want to be in business i want to like i want to be a shaker and mover like this guy you know Mm -hmm. i want to have businesses i want to I don't know. Just, to me, it was just always.
0: So meeting Frank on the boardwalk gave you that spark to start thinking about that I next guess path so. on the rundown. I guess so.
1: I guess so. Give Frank some credit,
0: dude. I, I, is I, Frank still there?
1: <laughs> Frank is not still there. But I, I, I have ran into Frank here and there, yeah. And
0: did, he sell, did you sell him a property? I have not.
1: No, I should.
0: So jumping back to the yogurt place now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just wanted to touch on the boardwalk, because that's cool, young people hustling like that. Yeah. You got into the yogurt business. <clears throat> Quickly, what's two main things that you learned from there that was a tough loss? Because a lot of times, everybody on social media is talking about their planes, their Lambos. The, yeah, yeah, the biggest thing that I learned
1: from the yogurt business was don't work in your business, work on your business. I love so that. So when I, when I started the yogurt business, and, and this was huge for me, when I started the yogurt business, I was a very small thinker. I was young, I had no experience. And for me, it was, hey, let me keep my costs as low as I possibly can, which meant that I worked around the clock, twenty-four-seven.
0: Deductive thinking.
1: Open to close, seven days a week, nights, weekends, holidays. I was the main guy, on the on the floor servicing clients, right? But what that that hurt me in, and what I realize now, I'm, I'm mature enough to see it. I was so focused on the day-to-day working in my business, ringing up. People and cashing them out and filling up inventory that I never spent a second working on my business to grow it and to market it and to get new clients and to do better. And by the end of the day, I was exhausted. I had no energy to work on my business because literally I would open up at 8 a.m., 7.30 sometimes and not close until midnight. So from 7.30 to midnight, I was non-stop it's dealing easy, with clients. It's, it's
0: easy to become trapped in your own business and. He's the guy that's doing everything, and you don't
1: want to work on your business at that point. And so, yeah. well, there's um, no time. What was the second thing you learned? Most important thing. Second most important thing I learned that location is everything in retail. Anyway, location is everything. Yeah,
0: that's it. listen. As you know, that
1: very well now, being in real estate. Um, yeah, man. Location, location, location. I, my business wasn't bad, but it would have been. A totally different outcome had I not focused on the cheapest. Had you spot. gone
0: back to the boardwalk next to Frank.
1: Possibly. <laughs> Possibly.
0: So let's jump let's jump forward now. So yogurt business, I wouldn't say it's a failure, I learned a lot. Learned right? a ton. I, I hate to see made some money. Yeah. I think everybody should fail forward. Yep. I messed up so many times my communication skills, understanding very complex things in my world, you're failing forward. You're sure. learning. So you learned something, it wasn't a failure. What made you get into real estate?
1: So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and now it's the second year that I have the yogurt place. It's the winter, and it's kind of like an ice cream place, so winters are naturally slow, slower than summer. And so um, I just finished reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was like, I'm going to flip houses. That's what I want to do. I have no experience. I've never bought a house, never owned a house. I'm going to flip houses, right? Yeah. Um, So I... Said to my dad, who wasn't a fan of this idea at the time, but I'm like, "Hey, I'm gonna take two weeks off from the yoga place. I'm gonna pay our employees, and I'm gonna get my real estate license." He's like, "The fuck do you mean you're gonna get your real estate license? Like we just invested in this business."
0: Yeah. How bad did your dad want to beat you up at the oh, time? Oh yeah, yeah, he hated me at the time, <laughs>
1: and I was like, "Don't worry, I'm gonna get my real estate <clears throat> license. I'm gonna do this on the side," and and yeah, he wanted to. Pull and and time
0: out, I gotta interrupt you. Don't don't lose your train of thought. But that's one thing that I observe about you, right? you're you're constantly on the gas pedal yeah right it's it's i'm gonna go flip houses right it doesn't matter that you have no experience whatsoever it doesn't matter that you haven't swung a hammer ever you were just gonna go flip houses
1: yeah yeah and you
0: were you were driven to go do it
1: for sure so my favorite quote is that entrepreneurs jump off of the mountain cliff and figure out how to build a parachute on the way down so that's me right so like i say yes to everything i take on every single opportunity that i can and i figure it out afterwards Mm -hmm. but anyway um,
0: so you go into the business I cut you off so I'll bring you back you go into the business your dad's pissed at you dad's pissed right so I'm like
1: dad I'm gonna gonna take two weeks off to get my real estate license what the fuck do you mean we just invested in this business you can't take two weeks off what are you talking about real estate like this we're all in like now I'm gonna do this so I did it um, and luckily you can call it luck whatever I don't even know but a week after I got my real estate license, or the week I got my real estate license, I happened to be... It was the end of the summer. So I got licensed like the first week of September. So it was around this time, 10 years ago, um, at end of August. I happened to be at a family barbecue, and my Uncle Bernard, who now is an agent that works for me. It's crazy how things go, roll for full circle. And he's doing well. And he's doing very well. But my, my Uncle Bernard had a family barbecue, and one of his high school friends from Hasbro Heights... Ed McGee was at the barbecue, and we were talking, and I said, hey, yeah, I'm getting my, re- I'm taking my test this week. And he was like, oh, really? I wanna buy a shore house. Maybe you can help me out, ha, ha, ha. Well, the following week, I was like, hey, Ed, you wanna go see houses? Yeah, what's right? up? <laughs>
0: you wanna go see houses? I got my
1: license, right? So I show this guy Ed houses in Ortley Beach. After only two times showing him houses, he makes an offer on a house. We get our offer accepted. At the time, it was like $600,000, which, I mean, in real, it's like, that was like a $12,000 check. I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm like, this loaded. is, this is yeah. sick, you
0: know? Uh, what type of car would you. you buy the next week? Mind you, I was you $3 yogurts at the time, <laughs> What would you right? buy? What did you buy the next week? I, no, know no, you got I already had the Mercedes because that <laughs> was crazy. But, um, so,
1: I start showing Ed houses. He gets an offer accepted. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Fast forward like one month. Um, we're supposed to close on a Friday. Meanwhile, I'm still working the yogurt place. We're supposed to close on a Friday, and we get a, uh, an email from the bank that's like, hey, we can't close until Monday. So at the time, it's my first deal ever. So I reach out to my broker, I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, don't worry, he's like, this is totally fine. It's like three days, we'll close on Monday. At the time, I had spent the money, it's gone, long gone, right? Of course. So I'm like, all right, three days, Monday we're closing. That weekend, Hurricane Sandy hit, and the house was in Ortley Beach, one block from the beach. The house literally got washed away, completely gone. Um, I started from zero, but fast forward a couple weeks later, a couple months later, I sold my first house, and that's what really got me addicted was the check. I'm, I'm money motivated, mm-hmm. and it's not about like greed, but I see the freedom that it gives me and my family, So I'm super money motivated. So when I got that check, I was like, whoa, I need to do more of this. Yeah, I need to
0: do two more of these, three more of these a month.
1: And within six months, I've sold the yogurt place. That's
0: huge. So you go, you get your first sale. Hurricane Sandy set you back. I'm in a commission-based sales. I have some renewals now. But when you go and spend that money Mm -hmm. before you make it, That's a real hard lesson when it comes to business, isn't it?
1: Yeah, man. Um, It's funny. So I have another story for that. So the first company that hired me was Crossroads Realty in Tom's River. And I'll never forget this guy that the house got washed away. I never ended up collecting that commission check because the house was gone, right? So I, but we got the offer accepted like a week after I got licensed. So I remember going into the office and saying to the agents in the office at the time, now, real estate was a different industry, everyone was much, much older than me. At the time I was 23, everyone was at least 50 plus. So I run into the office and I'm like, guys, I sold my first house, sold my first house. And I'll never forget this one guy who was like a veteran in the office, did very well, probably been there for 40 years. He looked at me as like, you sold your first house. And I'm like, yeah, I sold my first house. He's like, bullshit. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, we made an offer yesterday. We got it accepted. He started cracking up in my face. He's like, you didn't sell shit.
0: Yeah, it ain't done yet. He's like, you didn't sell <laughs> shit.
1: He
0: said like, that check hit your bank account.
1: He's like, don't count your money until it's closed. You didn't sell shit. So I walked away. I'm like, this guy's a dick, right? um
0: but he was teaching a lesson
1: i didn't sell shit because i never got paid on that
0: dude that's crazy yeah sandy came and wiped your money right away yeah man you and a lot of other people yeah so fast forward you're working at what was the broker at the time crossroads crossroads was there somebody there that was mentoring you were you just mike little
1: mike little took me under his wing he was the broker at the time um he's still in the biz He's still in the biz now. He owns a lot of Keller Williams offices. Right. Uh, I I still look up to Mike. I think he's a phenomenal bro- just entrepreneur, businessman, mm-hmm. um, broker, owner, whatever. But uh, he's yeah. He took me under his wing. He taught me a lot about the business. He really got me going and got me excited about the business. Um, and then I met Chris Walsh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was it. All <clears> to the races. So
0: fast forward now, you go into Remax. You meet this gentleman, Chris Walsh, and he takes you under his wing. You actually moved in with him for a short yeah, period yeah, of time, yeah. right? So I was introduced to
1: Chris as, so I was working for Crossroads with Mike Little, my, my original mentor, original company. And like six months into it, I happened to go to a networking event where I was introduced to this gentleman, Joe Oz, who come back full circle. Joe Oz is now an instrumental part of my business. But anyway, Joe Oz at the time was a newer agent and he was like, hey man, you gotta meet my buddy. He is the Ari Gold of real estate. Ari Gold, there we and go. And at the time, Entourage was huge. Ever. Entourage was ever. huge. I was a young influential kid. I was like, the Ari Gold of real estate. I gotta meet this guy. I feel guy. like you
0: still have the TR Entourage that yeah, hang yeah. around you. yeah.
1: So I was like, I gotta meet this guy. So he set up a lunch with Chris Walsh. I met Chris. I was like, whoa, I gotta learn from this dude, you know? Uh, and I'll never forget it at the time. He and what
0: did you see in Chris?
1: Well, it's funny. I, at the time, you mentioned the whole Mercedes thing, right? So, like, I had already stretched myself and bought this Mercedes. And I, I'll never forget when I first met Chris. One of the first things he said to me, he looked, he goes, "That your Mercedes out there?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Hmm. All right. So, you want to get into real estate?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "He's like, I got you."
0: Yeah, he I'm liked like, that to- you were going I'm like, after it.
1: I'm oh, in. Whatever you say, <clears throat> man. Right.
0: So, what was something about Chris that you know? you took to him. He was
1: relatable. He was around my age. He was the only person. So I grew up in Tom's River in a very small thinking town with very, with, geez, I don't want to say that. People are gonna you know, be like. You
0: know, I was actually gonna stop you real quick. It's funny to say, cause being from brick, right? There's a lot of guys that I could sit there and as myself hate back on the town. I I'm not hating. To, I'm not hating. Not, but Tom's River has produced a lot of studs. Frankie.
1: <laughs> a lot of you studs. Know, Frazier. Sports. Yourself,
0: right? Yeah, Sports. Yeah.
1: For sure. So, all right, not, I'm not, all right. I just grew up in an environment where I wasn't surrounded by many people that made a million dollars a year. I wasn't surrounded by people that were buying like crazy, flat, exotic cars and all this shit. Like it just was very new to me. Um, Like G
0: Wagons?
1: Yeah, like G Wagons. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: And so when I met Chris, I was like, oh my God, this is this guy that very close to me in age like I can relate to him he wants to hang out with me he's making a million dollars a year he's like hustling. I can be this right like and I was always the person like 100% like not just saying it but I was always the person I've always felt like no you're not smarter than me you're not like maybe I'm not maybe you like figured out a different opportunity or you but like you're not smarter, you're not this, you're not more talented. Maybe you know, they were just like, in the right I'm, place,
0: right time. Right,
1: and so when I saw Chris, I was like, here's a guy that, you're not smarter than me, you're not more, you don't have more connections than me, you're not more educated, you're not this, but but you figured it out, so so I wanna learn from you. Yeah. And I was just
0: very, like, very attracted to that. And he was with Remax. max yeah. right? He was the broker owner <laughs>
1: of Remax at the time.
0: So, tell me quickly, over the next five years, what transpired in the sense of your production, right? Every every broker owner has a production leaderboard, right? You guys all get yeah, yeah. these awards I see in real estate that come out on social media. Yep. What did you do over the next three years in that office in a sense of rank and, and production?
1: My first year, I was terrible. My second year, I was like, eh, just above terrible. And then I met with Chris and... I was like, "Dude, I don't know that this is for me." Um, it's always that "come to Jesus" conversation. I was like, "I don't know if this is for me. Maybe I should quit." I don't know. At the time, I had a friend that was like, "Hey, I can get you into Wall Street, like into the stock market and sounds." Sell- and and I actually I did take a day that I went into Wall Street for the day, and I sat on the on a stock trading floor. And like people were, and and I was just like, "Jesus, is this what I'm gonna do?" And this was two, three years into real estate, and I was like, "How old were you?" At the time, 25 or 26, and I was like, "Maybe this is what I should do because I just don't have it. Like, real estate isn't working for me." And I and I met with Chris, and we had a really good conversation. Um, and what really changed was, I, I did the real, I I did the Wall Street Day, and I was like, "Eh, I don't know." I think I wanna stick with real estate. But I knew that I wasn't gonna have a real estate closing for two, three months, If it, you know, who knows when. So I, I, contacted some, I contacted my mother, who at the time was working at TGI Fridays in Brick. And I was like, hey, I need to like bartend or something because I have zero dollars, I don't know when I'm gonna have a closing. So she let me train for a day bartending in Brick three years into me having my real estate license and i never forget, I went there, I trained, I was there for like three hours and when I left, I was like, I said to myself, I am not doing this, I don't care what the fuck it takes, I am gonna figure this real estate shit out. I will figure it out. And so the next day, I um, I went to my car in the morning, this is a true story, I went to my car in the morning and I called my mom like, I'm not coming in to train. <coughs> And instead of training... How mad was your mom? Uh, I think she understood. She wasn't mad at all. Yeah, good. And and I will say, my mom's an angel in that sense. Like, my mom's the most understanding, just like best person, Super right? Super sweet. And so I was like, I'm, I can't do this. And she was like, I get it, honey. Whatever you want, right? Okay. So instead, for the day, I literally drove around in my car and I listened to motivational things on YouTube. So I listened to like Will Smith. Honestly, I listened to like
0: hey, whatever, random ass
1: people. Will Smith has a really good motivational page actually. I listened to all these random ass people and I remember just like sitting in my car like, I gotta fucking do this. Yeah, know? let's go. Um, and so the next day I ended up knocking on doors. I knocked on a lot of lawyers, attorneys offices. I knocked on just random doors. Um, and I eventually got a deal. I got a deal that floated me to get to the next deal, that floated me to get to the next deal, that eventually opened up a door to where, okay, now I can now like, survive. Now you're yeah. moving. Now you can market it. And that was it, man, that was.
0: So let me take you real back, knocking on the doors, right? Yeah. That, in a sense, when you're trying to succeed in the business, because I cold called 150 people a yeah. day, yeah, and it was rejection after rejection, that teaches you something in business. What did oh my it God. teach you? It
1: humbled me, man. Real quick. It humbled me so quick. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, like, people don't want to talk to you. No. And I'll never forget this. This was a very humbling situation. Because um, I've always been pretty confident, right? I've always, like, had confidence in myself that, like, I can do this. I, you know, I'm... I'm so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna knock on. So I lived in Red Bank at the time. I'll never forget this. I lived on Red Bank. At, I lived in Red Bank at the time, and I was at the top of Broad Street, and there was a ton of like, real, uh, attorney offices and different things, business professional offices, and I and I knocked all those offices, and I was like, hey, because I, I remember listening to a, a coach at the time say, if you can get in with like attorneys and things and get in with their clients, great center of influence. Great center of influence. So I was a 24 year old kid. And no experience, no nothing. I'm knocking on the doors of these attorneys' offices and I'm thinking back to it now, like I had this script in my head and I was like, Hi, you know, I know you guys don't know me, but I'm Salventure. I'm with Remax the office up the street. If you guys need like the top real estate agent in the area, an expert to handle your clients and, and give them and I and I said the same line to all of these attorneys' offices, and most of them were nice about it. They were like, "Oh, you know, don't. I'm
0: sorry, yeah, someone's it's, in. You it's know, okay, bud." But there was a few that like <laughs> laughed at me when I said like yeah. the top if you're agent. you're the top guy, why yeah, you? Yeah, why they you laughed at out me. Out and they were like,
1: <laughs> "Nah, kid, we're we're good, you know." Um, and they kind of just shoot me off. One guy gave me a shot who was a bankruptcy attorney, and I did like two or three deals with them. But one of the deals was pretty large, and it was like a. $13,000, $14,000 check. So at the time, I was living very minimally. I was like, oh my God, I can live for like three months on yeah, this. I'm good to go. And that was kind of like the pivotal moment of, from that deal, there wasn't many times that I really had to look back at like, where's my next dollar gonna be come from? But I will say, that deal didn't come until probably eight, nine months after I hit that point of like crying in my car, I may have to bartend at TGI Fridays.
0: Yeah. And I think that a lot of times, because of the social media world, we see all of these people that are having this crazy success, and a lot of us are impatient, myself included. Sometimes you gotta put the work in for a year, two, three years, before you get the rewards from it.
1: I had my real estate license for three full years before I bartended at TGI Fridays. I was a realtor for three years. On the outside looking in on social media, people were like, oh, this kid's killing it. I was fucking broke. I sold my watch. My dad bought me a tag watch when I was 16 years old. At that time when I took a shift bartending at Friday's, I had no money to the point where I sold my watch. And it wasn't until last year that I bought that watch back just because I was like, you know what? Fuck you. I remember that story. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, man, I was in real estate for three years. You don't think I was posting shit that, like, hey, I'm the man? Yeah, of course, of course I was, but I wasn't, <clears throat> you Yeah, know?
0: well, you got to fake it till you make it in some senses. Yeah. So fast forward another couple of years into Remax. You now obviously shoot up the ranks of yeah, yeah. Chris Walsh's team. Four years. So at one year after I had that talk with Chris, I was the number one agent in the office. And what was your production at the time for the realtors that are, are watching this?
1: I, I went from making about 50,000 a year to 320 in yeah. one year. That's huge. And I never, I, it's been increasing since.
0: So you get to this $320,000 mark, you start to say, I see what this business takes um, to win. And I want to take this to the next level. What made you jump into wanting to be a broker yourself and running a team?
1: So for me, I've always, always, always loved teaching people and coaching people. Even when I was in grade school, literally, um, like I and, you know, it's it's really kind of like weird, but I've almost and I'm going to say this and you're going to be like, you're 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 just strange. But I've almost known what I was going to do since I was a very little kid. When I was in elementary school, when I was in elementary school, I remember Taking to like certain math problems and things, I was like. So I'm still this way to this day. If we start, if you start to explain something to me, within seconds, typically I know what you're getting at, and and it's it comes across rude to a lot of people. My wife thinks it's very rude, but I'll just be like, all right, just stop. I already know what you're saying. Stop. I get it. Boom. Boom. Yeah. Your mind and,
0: moves fast.
1: Um, I get it. And so, growing up in school, I was always that way. To where, like, when we were on a t- uh, subject in school, as soon as they start, they would start
0: explaining something,
1: I would get it, and I'd be like, "All right, done." And I try to like help the next kid. Like, this is what they're trying to so explain. So real
0: quick. So these are things that I try to work on in my business with my team. Is that something that you try to work on, or you want to get better at of, or do you still do that?
1: I do it all the time, and I think that's a huge strength of mine. That I don't. I cut out the like. So the fat. <laughs> again, you eat the meat, spit the bone. Again, my wife thinks that I'm rude by doing this because she wants to have small talk and like, and and that's fine, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to waste any time. For me, time is super precious and valuable, and it's like if I already figured out what you're about to say, I don't need the extra fifteen seconds
0: of what you're saying. I got it. Let's move on. I get it, a hundred percent. But let me hit you from another point of view, right? What if somebody just wants to talk to you and just have your time for five more minutes?
1: I have no problem with that, but if you're trying to explain something to me, and I got it, I got it, I don't need any anymore. Good, right? I got it, I so, got it, I totally um, got it. So so growing up, I was always that way. When a teacher or someone would explain a topic, I'd be like, oh, boom, got it. And then they would want to teach a whole class on it, and they'd be like, I don't want to hear about this, I already got it, yeah. right? And so I would try to teach other people, and I remember distinctively in middle school, one of my math classes, a teacher trying to teach something to a, a student that was next to me. And I said, do you mind if I if I say something real quick? And I and I explained it a different way, and they were like, oh, this is, exactly. And that's when I was like, you know what? I could teach people. I, 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 I just know how to fucking explain things.
0: Yeah, sometimes you could take complex things and make it very simple, and it's so much more me, easy to understand. So for me, growing a team in
1: real estate came very, very natural, because I wanted to teach people. All right, and so
0: fast forward to the team. Yeah, who'd you start with? Who was your first guy? Mike Karch, Mike Karch, Mike Karch. You grew up with Mike Karch.
1: Grew up with him. He was one of my best friends growing up. Still a um, good friend. Still one of my. Still, yeah, one of my best friends. Um, when I got into real estate, I was obviously a single agent. Fast forward five, six years, I was doing really well. Mike at the time, at the time, was living in Florida, and growing up. So one of the things that I'm like fortunate. About is growing up, we had like this core, like 10 8 to 10 group of kids. Yeah, you're TR guys, all the sweatpants on, yeah, 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 all the sweatpants, yeah. And we still hang out together, so and you still got the sweatpants on, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so Mike started dating a girl that we used to hang out with in high school. He was in Florida, she was in New Jersey. He was gonna move back to New Jersey at the time, my business had gotten real busy, and uh, he needed a job, so I was like, Hey, man. I need someone to help me with my business. At the time, I was just hiring an assistant, Um, but Mike really caught on to the business very well, and now he's one of my top agents.
0: So that was, what year in the business for you?
1: 2017, I think it was 17.
0: How many years in was that?
1: I was six six years into the business.
0: Six years into business. So that's pretty cool, you go from mom, I need a job to, I'm never gonna do this, I'm not gonna bartend, I'm not gonna dig a ditch. And I used to think the same way, like, failure is not an option, to now you're gonna grow a team, you're on your first assistant. Fast forward that three more years, how big did you grow your team and what was your production after three years of starting the team?
1: Um, so it's been about three and a half, four years now. We, I went from me and Mike, to now we have 27 full-time agents and five full-time staff.
0: Wow. And what was your production last year? Last year
1: we did about $65 million in gross sales and um,
0: like 160 transactions. That's amazing. So, Remax, now you guys have all jumped ship over to this EXP, tell me a little bit about EXP. Tell me a little bit about why you think it's oh, the future of real estate.
1: So. Yeah, so prior to joining XP or even opening my mind up to the company, I had already had conversations with my assistant Max as well as Mike and and some people that are very influential in my team about branching outside of Remax because the real estate industry really hasn't evolved or changed in a very long time and um, there's obviously some challenges and flaws that we have faced and so... Um, as we started to grow the team, I talked to my assistants about building our own company or doing different things. Um, and ironically, it's funny how things come full circle because I was gearing myself up to have the hard conversation with Chris Walsh, who mentored me into this business, made me, you can say, what I am, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was gearing, yes and no. Oh, yeah, yes A lot and But I was gearing up to have this hard conversation with him of like, hey man, I appreciate everything you've done, but I'm going to go in another direction. And just as I was about to say, hey, I want to talk to you, he reached out to me and he was like, hey, I want to talk to you about this business opportunity. So I was like, all right, let me put this on hold. Let me hear him out before I have this conversation with him and break the bad news. And he beat me to it. He was like, Hey, we're switching companies, we're going here. And I was like, Whoa, dude, like
0: yeah, we're on I day was day gonna day. come
1: to you about switching companies, but it wasn't EXP at all. And when he first said EXP, I was like, Oof, EXP, like and I said that because I had never been properly explained like what the company was all about. All I heard was like, it's a cloud-based brokerage where you
0: don't need an office. And I'm like, fuck. So give me three to five bullet points of what EXP is about in your words.
1: Freedom, growth, and culture. The culture is second to none. So I came from a Remax office that what most people don't understand is that Remax is a franchise and every single office is individually owned and operated, which means that the, e- the Remax office here and the Remax office a mile down the road is competing with each other. They're not in the same business. It's kind of stupid. It's, it is kind of stupid. Um, so, the culture of EXP is that we are all one giant company, there is no individual offices, and because of the revenue share platform, We all, uh, your success is my success. And so the people above me in the company are doing everything in their power to see me be as successful as possible and make as much money as possible because the
0: more successful that I am, the more successful that they are. Okay, so let me stop you right there. So a lot of people I've heard, the negative things of the XP is, this is a multi-level marketing, this is an bond, right? And what I want to help people understand is that every business, is is a pyramid. There's a guy who's a CEO, there's a guy who's a CFO, the guy who's the CCO, sure. the guy who is the SVP, the ESVP, right? Everything has ranks in every business. What is your answer to people who say those types of things? So unfortunately
1: the people that say those types of things just are not educated into what a pyramid scheme or a multi-level marketing company is. And so a pyramid scheme is when there's one guy at the top that says, hey, we're not selling anything, we're not providing anything of value, but if you put in 10 bucks and distribute it and get 10 people to put in 10 bucks, you'll get a dollar. That's a pyramid scheme, they're not providing any value. We're a multi-level marketing company, which is very legitimate, and basically all that means, the only thing that that means is that our company, is sharing in the revenues that they make with the members to continue to grow the company. And so there's still money left over for the guy at the top. Glenn Sanford is the CEO and founder of eXp Realty. He's a fucking billionaire at this point. You don't think that the majority of the money is going to Glenn, of course it is. But he's saying, hey, why don't I take some of this money and distribute it to the guys below me so that they can help build my company? And, and you know what? They're going to eat off of that profit as well. and So that's what a multi-level marketing company is, is where the people that are responsible for bringing you to the company share in some of those revenues. A pyramid scheme is when there's no value added, no product, no service. They're just refunneling the money that comes in agree. to the guy at the top. It's totally, totally totally different. I totally agree. This is you. just a very smart business plan to get the employees in the company wanting to grow your company. And that's what we're all about. And that's why it's become the greatest company in the world is because the people that I hire as, as a Remax max officer, an individual agency, the people that I would have, I mean, I would have never even wanted to hire people because I had no benefit from it. But the people that came to the company underneath me they were direct competition because I made no money no matter how much they did or what they did. So the more they did, they were taking from my plate, is how most people saw it. In this company now, if you come to the company underneath me, yeah. you're the better you do, the better I do. Yeah, you're incentivized. So it's it's amazing because the culture is we all wanna see everyone do well. And that's a breath of fresh air that so I've So we were seen. talking
0: about a book prior to getting on. Yeah. Right? And you had said, Ryan, this book's great, you'd like it. This guy understood, I'm gonna spend X amount of hours, which is a short amount of time each week on these 10 or 15 different businesses. Yeah. Right? When you're in business, you're trying to sit on top of something and allow people to partake or be incentivized by the revenues that are coming in. And by what you just explained, I think that is exactly what you're doing with EXP. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: It honestly is awesome. Um, And you know, honestly too, as real estate agents, we, We get caught up in the commission, which can be great, but it's very short-sighted, so a lot of people don't plan for the future.
0: Yeah, it's career, it's not a transaction.
1: Which is where a guy like you can come in, but unfortunately, most real estate agents, they don't think like that, because they get the money in, they spend it as quick as it comes in, and they don't think about their future. So, fortunately, this company also helps bring in some other buckets.
0: So, I, I love buckets. Right. Yeah, we talk can't about talk about budget. buckets, compliance, right. of I'm sorry, I'm sorry. compliance, I ain't worried. So where does salventry go from here? Don't sugarcoat it. What do you want to do, right? You're a guy who put the time in, walk and talk, sure. playing bartender, buying Mercedes you couldn't afford, right? You, you, you got into this real estate game and you have taken it to the level sure. that a lot of people probably don't understand the revenues that you're making now because you're making it through multiple companies. It's not just about real estate anymore. It's a lot of companies that's attached to sure. your real estate yeah. agency. What uh, do you want to do?
1: Um, I want to help people. I want to help people get to their goals um, through various different sources. Uh, I, but
0: why does that help you? Let's not even say helping other it, people. Why does that help you? It
1: just doesn't. It makes me feel good.
0: But about besides feeling good, what, do you, what does Sal really want out of his life? You want to be able to make X amount of dollars and do what with your family?
1: So for me, everything has come down to, so I had a son a year and a half ago, and what I've learned from that is that the most important thing to me is freedom. And so my entire goal and everything that I'm gonna work towards for the rest of my living life is to have the most freedom that I can possibly have. So moving forward, I'm never gonna do another thing that I don't want to do. I told you this earlier. I love that. I love helping people and naturally, I I excelled as a real estate agent, so I want to help other people that want to do that, that are in real estate, Um, but that's it, man. I'm going to dedicate my life towards helping agents get to where I am, helping people find financial freedom, and like I said, never doing a single thing that I don't want to do, whether that means work with a client that I don't enjoy working with, that really crushes me or get into a business that I don't want to do. What if it's a
0: Bayhead house through Jonesy, eight million? Well, eight's up there, but
1: (laughs) um, no, man, it's not worth it to me. And so I'll give you a really, a really good example. And I don't know whether I should even talk about this on film or not, but. um, Say it. In one day, personal production, I did, I put $4 million in a contract. So in real estate world, it's like $100,000 in commission. and one week later, I lost all of it in one day. It was ironic how it happened. Um, and I wasn't bothered by it. And that's when I was like, you know what? Money is not controlling me anymore. My happiness is controlling me. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know what? Now, don't get me wrong. I need a particular income to, to yeah, continue the happiness. But um, it's way more about the happiness and the freedom for me than it is about the income. Uh, there was a time where I thought that I needed to make a $100 million to be happy or more than that. I don't know. But now it's like, all right, you know what? If I can make X and just kind of spend time with my family and my son and not miss his games and coach and, and do all that stuff and be there for my family and travel, that's all it's about.
0: So one of the last things, and this isn't me playing nicey-nice with the wifies, I think that your wife is also an amazing entrepreneur, and she's going to be on Fireside Chat soon, guys, just so you know. Lauren Ventry, how much of an inspiration is your wife? How much of a partner in your business is your wife? And how much has she helped you succeed to get to where you are? I
1: wouldn't even be close to the entrepreneur that I am without my wife. Um, She inspires me majorly. So my wife, for anyone that doesn't know, uh, is also an entrepreneur and a business owner. She has 25 plus people that works for her. She's traveling all over the globe uh, all year long. Um, So you can bet your ass that we have a little competitiveness going that I will not let my (laughs) wife. I think she's beating you. I will
0: not (laughs) let my wife
1: beat me. I will not let my wife beat me. Um, So she motivates the shit out of me. She understands why I do the things that I do. She allows me the freedom to do the things that I do. Um, I one thousand percent would not be the business owner and man that I am without my wife. Um, I give her same for me so much credit, so much credit. Even though I don't say it often, um, I would not be here without her. When
0: I when I realized Warren was a real deal, my sister-in-law Shannon was like, how do you know Lauren D'Amelia? And I'm like, who the hell is that? And they're like, Sal's wife. I'm like, that's Lauren Ventry. She's like, she's like a famous makeup girl. And then we went to Cape Cod. We went to that boozy place. That young girl who was waiting on us was like, oh my God, Lauren You know, it's funny. I'm I'm friends with a a girl with a blue checkmark. She
1: motivates me and she also humbles me because we go out to places and they're like, oh my god, you're Lauren D'Amelio, and you're Lauren D'Amelio's <laughs> wife. It's like, yeah, that's me. Husband, husband. Yeah, yeah, hus-
0: husband, husband, whatever. <laughs> well, listen, dude, I really appreciate you coming on. We could probably talk for another two yeah. hours, but no one's going to want to listen to us. It's been great, I dude. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, cheers again. Cheers. Thank you. And yeah, your story's for great. Sure. So much, thanks, so Much bro. more success. Yeah. Cheers. And to the viewers, thanks for coming to by. To our live audience. Yeah, live audience. Here we go. Kelly, Lauren, Nick, Evan. Thanks, guys. Come back for our next fireside chat. We have some really great people lined up. Have a great night. Cheers.